All right, so this afternoon, um, <clears throat> I felt God kind of pushing me a little uh, different direction. Um, and by the way, you can pray for me for tomorrow because at this point, I have no idea. I mean, there's like a couple of thoughts I have, but I seriously have no idea what we're going to do tomorrow. Uh, and I'm okay with that. I'm perfectly fine with that because I trust the Holy Spirit. I've seen the Holy Spirit here moving, and I trust him completely. Um, so I want to, again, go back to the Old Testament, and I want to look at another account. Probably the most, at, uh, maybe not in... Maybe not at youth conferences or Bible school, but for sure like kids camps. And, um, and Paul even alluded to, to this account a couple of times. Um, there was one of the big thoughts that he had on it that was, uh, was something that I really wanted to drive home as well. So I'm just glad to see how God, how God moves. But probably one of the most taught uh, stories in the Bible, for sure at kids' camps, is the story of David and Goliath. And early on in the week when, when Paul said, oh, we're going to go through uh, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, we're going to look and how David was not, uh, that we're not to be David, that Christ, I'm like, oh, where is he? And he said, we're going to talk about that you know, tomorrow. That's what he said the other day. And I was like... Oh boy, <laughs> um, but God's <clears throat> God's just good like that. So again, let's just real quick let our minds go back to that day when David he comes. He doesn't have he doesn't have much of a plan at that point. All he knew is he was walking in obedience to his earthly dad at that point, and he just simply dad said, David, can you go and just take your brothers? Can you just take them some some food? And he's just walking in obedience. So, um, you know, his brothers may have been famous. I don't know. It doesn't say they may have. Who knows how many men they had killed? Who knows how long they had been warriors and all that? And so he just has the lowly job of just going and checking on him and taking him food. But that day, as he walked into that valley, as he walked out there and... He heard this Goliath, he heard this giant start shouting out. I believe there was something rose up in that young in that young man that day that was just like, "Oh no, you didn't." That the God that you're defying, the God that you're speaking against, the God that you are talking about his army that is the God that I have spent many, many hours with out there on the backside of the mountain with my dad's sheep. That is the God that has spoken to me so many times. That is the God that I worship. And I will, how, uh, I can just picture just that, this, almost this anger rising up in him against his brothers and, and the rest of the army is like, what are you guys doing? Like this, this giant is speaking against my God and what is supposed to be your God. And he's defying it. I hope that somehow this week, 
even if you're not walking in complete freedom yet, I hope and I pray that there's something rising up in you that says that is a giant in my life. I'm not okay with it. That is a voice. That is a giant that is rising up against Jehovah. That is a, that is a giant that is speaking something against the true God. And I'm not okay with that. The good thing is that giant was still very much alive. But I just love the way Paul brought out, I was going to bring that out as well, how we're not David. Christ was David. Christ already went into that valley. He already took down the giant. And and I just I just love that. And so as he as David just as David comes and says, somebody has, this giant has to go. And so he says, No, I'll go. Why why did he have that confidence? It wasn't that he thought he was strong enough. He sure didn't have any experience, but he's just he had confidence in his God. And and so, you know, as he goes to Saul, and they, we know the story, how he goes, and Saul says, put on my armor, and he, he tries, it says, oh, it doesn't fit, I can't go like this, I can't fight. Why? Because it would have been fought, if, if he could have got enough weapons and enough armor and all that, man could have taken some of the credit. Beautiful, just a beautiful illustration that man, just of man's complete inability and he was going to go simply with God's power. And as he goes out there, I don't think there was any fear in David. I don't think, honestly, as he ran toward, as he picked up those stones and he ran toward the giant, as he ran toward Goliath, I don't think there was any doubt in his mind what was going to happen. Now, some of the results, some of the outcome, he probably didn't know. But I believe he had full confidence that that day, his God would be exalted, and his God uh, was going to take down the giant one way or the other. So here we have a young lad that the chapter before this, when Samuel went to Jesse's house to anoint a king, they didn't even bring him out of the field. This was just the chapter before this. They didn't even bring David in out of the field. He's like, here are my sons, and the Lord says, it's none of these. Do you have another one? Oh, yeah, there's this one little chap out in the field. It was that lad. So he had already been overlooked as being qualified to be king. The biggest thing that we're aware of he had done up to that point was just things related to his father's sheep. That included killing a bear and a lion with his bare hands with the power of God, which he reminded Saul about. Young guy with no experience in battle. Young guy without proper equipment, and a young man that couldn't even handle a soldier's armor said, This isn't going to work. <clears throat> but he was a young man that knew God. He was a young man that knew both what worship was, and he was a young man that knew where his worship and affection was. So I want to ask you today where is your and my affection? And worship. He was a young man that had had many encounters with God out there, taking care of his father's sheep. 
Do you have encounters like that with Jesus? He didn't even, back then the Holy Spirit wasn't even available to everyone like it is today. And so I just want to ask you, do you have those encounters with Jesus? Do you have those encounters where the Holy Spirit is just there and is just speaking to you? He was a young man that knew and had experienced God's power and saw his need of his power and help in his life. And he knew this by many hours of talking to and spending time in the presence of God without distractions. He was also a young man that knew how unworthy and helpless he was and how powerful and holy his God was. In Psalm 8, verse 3 and 4, he said, When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him? One way, one way that, I, that we can, we can kind of use some judgment on whether or not we're really encountering God in a real way is how do you view yourself? How do I view myself? Do I really view myself as really someone? Do I, do I view my um, abilities or my giftings as something great? Am I, oh, well, I'm, I'm popular, I'm famous, I have my group of friends or the coolest group around here the most, you know, whatever. I get the most likes, I get the most whatever. So often we kind of judge ourselves like that, and yet David, here he is, He's out there and he's just looking up into the stars and he's just seen, he's just over and over, just spent these nights out there just looking up into the sky and his response is just simply, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you pay attention to him? You see, he was a man of worship. I think David wrote, I believe it was 73 of the 150 Psalms. And I really wonder how many of these actually came just in those quiet times out with God, even prior to this happening. I don't, I don't know how many it was, but time alone with God allows us to see his power on display, and it opens a door to a relationship with him and gives us a trust and confidence in a God who is omniscient, meaning he knows all things. He's omnipresent, meaning he's present everywhere all the time. And he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful. So that means he not only knows, he doesn't just know what that giant is. He knows all about it, and he's there, he's omnipresent, and he's also all-powerful. If you're like I am, so many times we, we see these things in our life and we're like, all right, now I'm going to, and, and honestly, up until, I don't know, I'd say probably within the last year, I had always looked at this story as I just want to be that David. And like Paul said, there are absolutely incredible truths we can take from David's life, patterns that he had, I mean, absolutely, very important. But I had always looked at it as I want to be that David. I want to be that man that is so confident and, and I want to slay the giants. I'd never really looked at that story as a count that Christ was that David. Christ is David in our lives. And 
so we so I think, man, I just I have to take this giant down. I have to take him down. And I try so hard. I shared some of my testimony the other day. And I try so hard. But then I fail. And that gets tiring. That gets really tiring after a while. And um but again, we're not David in this story. When we try to be David and to think we have to defeat the giant, we become so tired of fighting. We lose heart, discouragement sets in, and we accept the fact that it will always just be this way. Depending what those giants are, I'm just a man. It'll always be that way. I've talked to some of you already this week that had believed that same lie. I haven't ever been a lady, obviously, so I don't know what those... Well, I'm a lady, so it'll always be this way. I don't know what that is for you. So how many of us have experienced this in the past, trying to be the David, trying to be the hero in this story? How many of us have wondered if we will ever have victory and freedom from these giants in our lives? So what I felt felt God asked me to do today is just simply go over. We're not going to spend, I mean, literally, you could take each one of these and probably preach a whole sermon on them, but I didn't feel that was what God wanted us to do. I just simply felt he wanted me just to go through. We may be done much quicker than normal. I don't know. I don't care, honestly. But just to go through and just touch on a few giants that, I know that I have either experienced or people that I either have or am working with are experiencing just real-life giants today. And remember, those giants, the reason that I care about them is simply because those giants are what is, they're coming, into the, they're coming in between you and what God has planned for you. And it's time they go down. And it's time for us to get a hold of the fact that they're already defeated. You know what those giants are like? They're like a snake that already has its head chopped off. Now, let's be clear. You chop a a snake's head off. And you play around with the head. Look at those fangs. Can it still poison you? Absolutely. It doesn't mean that it can't hurt you. But a snake's head is also not going to chase you. It doesn't have power on its own. It doesn't have power until you give it power. And that's what I I, I just want us to get, to realize that the head has been cut off of every single giant you ever have or ever will face. The head is cut off, but by listening to the lies, by making agreements with Satan... We're simply playing with the snake's head. Therefore, we can get venom. Therefore, it can still hurt us. So, if you see, there's a box here. I'm going to ask you to absolutely not look inside this box. If you don't have paper, I'd like for you to just get paper. During this session, we're not going to have, at the end, we're not going to, um, we're not going to be having a, an altar call. 
But here's what we're going to do. This box, um, I know the worship team coming up and stuff will kind of don't want it to be in the way, but I, we're going to keep this box up here somewhere through the rest of the day today and tomorrow. What I want you to do as the Lord reveals giants, things in your life, regardless of how big or how small they are, just simply what I call a giant. I mean, it may just be a lie that you've been believing. It may just be a, you considered a small agreement with Satan that you made in something. But I'm going to tell you, any agreement with Satan is sin, and sin has consequences, long and short of it. And those agreements have to be broken. As, until those agreements with Satan are broken, we're just playing with the head of the snake that has been cut off. And so this box is going to be available, and I'd just like for you just to... If, if God puts something on your heart, and if there's something pressing on your heart and you want to make a statement right now while I'm speaking, come put papers in here. I don't care. It's not going to distract me. But I just want you to drop them in here. And tomorrow at some point, we're going to take this just as a statement to the enemy that I refuse to keep on believing your lies. I don't know at what point tomorrow, but we're going to burn it. Now, Along with that, if you have something in your car or where you're staying that is not a piece of paper that also needs to go in a box, let us know. We're not going to expose you to the others. Let us know, and we can make a really big fire if we need to, and we can find some big boxes. So I'm just saying, what I don't want you to do is to go say, I've been making agreement with Satan, and I have things in my possession that I shouldn't have, but it's not going to fit in this box, so I'm going to write it on a paper, and I'm going to put it in there, and I go home, and the devil snatches that seed, and I never get rid of it. That we don't want. We'll get a big box, I promise. So let us know if you need a big box. So that's what this box is about. It's not just trash that someone's not picking up. So just a few of the things that um, I want to talk about. Again, we're not taking much time at all on any of them. One is a giant of toxic relationships. 1 Corinthians 15:33. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. This can be both friends you hang out with as well as a special relationship that you have with someone that you're failing to keep pure and you just can't walk in purity. And there's times God says, it's got to go. It has to go. Just a little bit of my, um, of my story with that prior to, um, prior to the Lord really... Um, well, he had been pursuing me, but prior to me surrendering to him, I should say, five of my best friends, two of them are in prison, one of them for, um, one of them for armed robbery, another one for, uh, I think he's actually locked up in Alaska now for uh, drugs and I think armed robbery, another one um, is divorced, um, often often has had just battling depression and thoughts of suicide. Another one is 
I think he would probably profess to be a Christian, but definitely not living a spirit-filled life for sure, to say the least. And the other one uh, does go to church with us. And um, God, has, God has delivered him. But out of, so out of my five best friends, there's one that is walking with God. And, you know, I just wonder how much of a difference, how, how much of that is on me? I mean, I know God has forgiven all that, but I just wonder how much of a difference could have I made in that? I don't know. Another one we talked about a little bit the other night is a giant of lust, impurity. First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8. For this is God's will. Some of you sometime are probably sitting here wondering, have been wondering this week, like, I wonder what God's will is for my life. Some of the details, I don't know. But here's one thing he says, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8. For this is God's will, your sanctification, that you keep away from sexual immorality, That each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions like the Gentiles who don't know God. This means one must must not transgress against and take advantage of a brother or sister in this manner because the Lord is an avenger of all these offenses. As we previously told and warned you about, for God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness. Consequently, anyone who rejects this does not reject men, but God. So if this is you, and you say no to whatever God is saying, you're not saying no to me. Consequently, anyone who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who gives you the Holy Spirit. He helps us. He tries it, and he makes a way of escape like we looked at the other night. The other night I, I mentioned something about how when we look at the word, at least all of us that have been raised in plain churches, um, as soon as you hear immodesty, right away we all are probably thinking the same thing. And I told you that it's so much bigger than that. It, it's interesting that I wanna, I'm going to pull up. I didn't actually put it down here, um, but I want to turn to 1 Timothy 2, 8. So uh, 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10 is often, I heard this preached so many times. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Amen. Amen. I'm not taking anything from that. That's important. It's the word of God. What were the, you know, remember what the first four words I, were that I read? In like manner also. So that means he had just said something. Just the verse before that. He says, I will therefore that men pray Everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also. 
looked at the women. And he goes on to say this. So modesty is so much bigger than that. Modesty, guys, modesty affects you just as much as it does the ladies. Modesty, what does that look like? That just simply means it's not going to look the same for me as it does for any of you. But if there is, if there, if I take pride in something I own, in my abilities, if I take in my possessions, in my, in my car, in my truck, in my, in my business, if I take pride in anything, and I'm trying to draw attention to myself, that's immodesty. It's the same thing. It's, it's an idol. So the same thing, guys, the same thing that makes us want to just show off our possessions. The same thing that makes us want to show off our cars. And don't get me wrong, I, I, I enjoy cars. I mean, and I really like power. I mean, I got a chip in my truck, and I, I, I enjoy power. I enjoy, there's somebody that might enjoy this, you know. Just, I don't know, I, I, I like it. So I'm just saying, though, that it's, it's something about we want to draw attention to ourselves. That's the same thing. That we have grown up, at least my generation, it's the same thing that we have grown up hearing so much about when the women are just doing it. It's the same thing driving it, but it's just over a different matter, and it has to do with their dress. Now, ladies, I'm not... Definitely not leaving y'all out on this because I, I, you know, I just said a little something the other night about even in your dress and the way you present yourself, you can make a big impact for the guys. So I'm not, I'm not taking that verse nine and ten and saying that's not important. It's absolutely important. You have a lot of impact on the guys. But then I would say again to the guys, but what kind of men are we being? What kind of leaders are we being? What kind of message are we sending? If we're sitting there and trying to play with the ladies' emotions, and if, we're, and if we are not honoring them and honoring everything about them and giving them the space that they need, we're sending a message. And that's not right. That is not right. So we can help them tremendously. In realizing, just an example, I, my daughter, uh, my oldest daughter, she's 15. <clears throat> I'm probably spending just a tad more time on this one than any of the others. But um, she's 15, and she's always been very mature for her age, um, way more so than our other children. Um, she's always been much taller. I mean, like, <laughs> she's always a couple years ahead of anyone else her age. And um, my wife and I, because of our past and because of just all the mistakes we made, we're like, you know, one thing we're not going to do is let our children grow up and learn about sex through friends. They will learn. They're going to learn um, what it's all about and the beauty of it, the sacredness of it from us. And so... I remember we, we knew that, and we're like, okay, well, we, you just kind of keep kicking the ball down the road, and well, she's still young, you know, and all that. And there was something happened at eight years old. I'm not sure anything wrong, but there was something happened at eight years old, and we were like, oh, 
I just remember my wife and I looking at each other, and we were just like, oh, no. It's time. Because, again, she'd be like a 10 or 11-year-old. And I just remember us sitting down with her, and this was our first time. I, I, had, I had no clue how to go about this. And it, it, it really just felt like I was just going to corrupt my young daughter's mind at eight years old. But God led us through it and, and just gave us direction in how to even approach it. And one of the things we were able to do there is just stress to her so much how your body is a gift. It is a gift. It is a gift from God for your future husband. And protect that thing. Protect it so much. And, and anyway, it's just so through that, God did, I don't know, God just really did something in her to where... Um, she just really has a just really has a beautiful heart and just wanting to it's just like there's times she'll come to us without us saying anything. And it's such a blessing. She's just like, Mom, Dad, is this modest enough? And we're not forcing a thing. And and I just love that. It's just a work of God. But I'm telling you, some of the time we have lies. In order to be accepted, I need to look this way. While I was here, ladies I would say especially for you, is that uh, right before lunch, I think it was, I was up there in the room upstairs, and my wife texted me. And she just said, the whole time I've been here, she's had something on her heart. And I have no idea if there's anyone here like this or not, but I'm just going to share it because it's been on her heart. But one of the things that um, she just said God wouldn't give her peace until she shared it with me is having to do with uh, anorexia. Ladies, I'm going to tell you, you do not have to fit into any kind of a mold to be worth something. You absolutely don't. You are worth so much more than you'll ever know. And guys, we have to honor that and protect that with everything in us. And there have been times in the past that we haven't. And so, ladies, I would just simply, I believe, for at least most of the guys, I would just simply say, would you forgive us? That's not who we're, that's not who we're called to be. We are not called to be someone that makes you feel you have to look in a certain way or act a certain way, or dress a certain way to be worthy of something. I promise. Another giant, and I'm just going to move on. Um, another giant that is probably the one of the most common today everywhere is just simply the giant of technology. I just, I just encourage you just to Make sure you get alone with God. Don't let your phones, your computers, your gaming, all that stuff. I know, I know young men that spend literally hours and hours and hours a week gaming. And yet you ask them for a testimony, they have nothing to share. And that's a shame. 
giant of entertainment and idols. I can assure you no one in here likes football better than I do. In fact, if you see me limping around, the reason I limp around, the reason I have a bad knee is because I blew it out playing football. Sam, I think you've been in on a little bit, at least not back when I played, but um, down there we had, um, it still goes on some, but we, years ago, we used to have it to where we, uh, we had several teams from Georgia, South Carolina, Alabama, Kentucky, a couple of uh, different states that we'd have we play football we called it the mfl the mennonite football league and uh and we played you know pads helmets everything college rules and uh i mean it was, a, it was a big thing to us it really was we had back in like uh it had been like in 2008 to 2010 we had a really good team in fact we had some of the um we had some of the semi-pro team uh coaches coming and watching our games and actually uh, a couple of our players actually went and played semi-pro then and it was it was a lot of fun but it was in that that I blew my knee out and I couldn't put it any weight I mean literally I could I could just go like that just put a little bit of weight on it and I could just feel my knee going boom, boom, just, just rocking around you know and I was at the time um, money was really tight I didn't have insurance I knew I couldn't afford a knee replacement or whatever and I just said Lord if you'll heal this thing to where I can keep providing for my family I'll give up sports. And he did. And again, that was one of those prayers that I probably hadn't thought through real far. And and now there's times, every time, every time a team comes down to play, you know, uh, every time a team comes down to play, you know, I'm on the sideline, it's just driving. I'm just like, how can I just, anyway. So I love sports. But how much of my time does it take? And by the way, I'm a Bulldog fan. So just for you Tar Heel fans or whatever all football fans are in here. But I love, um, I used to play a lot of softball, some volleyball and basketball, but I didn't care as much about that. But I just, the point isn't whether or not you play sport. I'm just saying, does it have your affection? Does it have too much of your time? Do we, does does some athlete, does some singer, does some entertainer have more of our attention? Do we look up to them more of a, as a hero than we would someone, a man of faith? Where, where are we on that? And would you be willing to spend the time, and especially guys, would you be willing to spend the time, money, energy, and affection that is given to your favorite team, hobby, or idol. I spent way too many hours in stuff that really didn't matter. The giant of compromise, First Peter three fifteen through seventeen. But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that when you're accused. Those who degrade your good conduct will be put to shame. Let's just not compromise. Let's stand on truth. Let's stand on the word of God and what he's asking of us. He may not ask the same thing out of my friends that he does out of me. Ungratefulness and entitlement. Um, This is something, I'm glad I don't know most of you. 
no, that sounds bad. I'm glad I do know most of you, but I'm glad prior to coming I didn't know. I don't know your conduct at home. I don't know how the majority of you I didn't know prior to coming. And so, um, but I see what one of the things I see in young people that I work with so much is, is just a sense of entitlement, like the world owes you something in the younger generation. And I, um, that's, that's really not, that's really not okay. The world doesn't. Oh, you, the majority of your parents, your, your employers and that type of thing worked hard for the things they have very hard. And I hear, I hear, um, I hear young men saying now, I'm not doing that unless he pays me extra for it. Like, well, hold on. You work for him. He doesn't work for you. I mean, where has, where has the honor for employers, where has that gone? Um, there's, there's scripture that we could go to to look in that. Is, and, and so I just, you know, just entitlement, just, um, I hope there's no Bernie Sanders. Uh, anyway, um, but you, you think about it. The ones, the ones going for Bernie, I mean, are, that are pushing for that type of a thing, it's the younger generation. Time. I want something for nothing. And that's not okay. In Philippians 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition. And then he says, With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Another giant is rebellion. You know, and a lot of us look at rebellion as not being all that important or uh, it's not that big a deal. Dad is just kind of old-fashioned or stupid or the church, whatever. Those are just things that we often kind of shrug off as just not that big a deal. I'm not saying they're always right. They're not. As a father, I definitely don't get it right all the time. And there's times I have to go back to my children and they say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And we definitely don't get it all right. But yet in 1 Samuel 15, and we would, along with it, we would also say, oh, but rebellion, it's, it's not that big a thing, but I would never, I would never be involved in witchcraft. And yet 1 Samuel 15, Samuel said, does the Lord have his great delight in burnt offering and sacrifice? As in, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? No, in fact, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you how important it is. I'm just going to let God do that. This is his word. It's not mine. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. One of the things we've heard quite a bit this week from various backgrounds, just talking to some of you, is just the giant of, I don't know, I'm gonna, yeah, religion, self-righteousness. Um, many of us have been wounded by that. Um, in Isaiah 64, 
6, all of us have become like something unclean, and all our righteous acts are, as a, are like a polluted garment. All of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities carry us away like, a, like the wind. I am not here to pitch you against any bad experience you've had. Please understand that. Do not re- be rebellious and allow the enemy to whisper lies to you and make agreements with him based on your past experiences, spiritual abuse or whatever. Please don't do that. What I'm telling you is that where you are right now, we can have a religious mindset. We can be self-righteous in and of ourselves. We can stand right here worshiping and think someone else will, you know, whatever. And that's something that, that's a giant that needs to be reminded that he's defeated. Giant of pride. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing out of vain ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Maybe I should have, well, the one here I mentioned a little earlier. But also, one of the things that's way too common today is self-harm. And I know anorexia could fit into that. We talked about that already. Suicide. Cutting. You know, there's never been a generation that has more at your fingertips, more available than what we do today. And suicide has never been anywhere close to as high as it is today. Nowhere close. If there's anyone here that ever has thoughts of suicide, if there's anyone here that, for whatever reason, finds the need to cut yourself, if there's anyone here that battles with anything like that, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm just simply here to just ask for help. You're to be the vessel. You're to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. The last thing we're going to look at, and it has more points, is the giant of fear. This doesn't near cover all of them. That's why we have a box. Now, if any of these that you need to get rid of that, then put that in as well. But there's many more, and that's why we have a box. Giant of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. I don't just mean, there's a, there's, there's a certain part of fear that is healthy or a certain aspect of fear. I mean, in other words, if, you know, I have a fear that of if I go out on the road and there's a car coming, I don't get out of the way. I'm going to get hit. I'm going to get killed. And so, you know, naturally God absolutely doesn't intend to just be, just be brave. Just stand there. I mean, take it like a man. That's not that. So that's a healthy fear. But what about a fear? And I'm just going to give an example. So there was a a guy a little bit younger than me, um, in our community that, um, that had, wanted to, uh, he just wanted to came o- come over and he said that he's battling fear. And that night, um, sitting there in our living room, we, we started just uh, addressing different things in his life, trying to figure out where this is all.
coming from. And he literally, now this is a grown man. He's married, has a number of children and all that. And he's sitting there in our living room with a tissue in his hand. And while we're talking, it, it, he's just he's just wadding up to where the, the, piece, the, the, the tissue was in hundreds of pieces on the floor. And he even said things like, he said, just for instance, just to show you how much it controls me, and I'm just miserable from it. He said, and it's so stupid. He's, but he's a roofer. And he said, so we're, we're about a, they were working a ways from home, and so they stayed in a hotel one night, and, and they were working on a factory, and he knew, he knew before he left that there was, the, the manhole needed to be closed. And so he went and he closed it. And so there he is, sleeping, trying to get some rest for the next day. One thirty at night, he wakes up. Mm, bet you didn't shut that manhole. Yeah, I did. I shut that manhole. No, I bet you. What, what if you didn't? Just think about all the things that could happen if you didn't. It, it could start raining and water get in there and the company sue you and come after your company and take everything you have and all this stuff. And he, well, no, I, know, I closed it. I know I closed it. You know, and this is going through his mind. And yet it had con- such control of just tormenting him that at 1.30 in the morning he had to get up and drive over there and get up on top of the factory and see, oh, yeah, it's closed. You know, and that's just, that. I mean, we think that's just stupid. But what about other ways that fear controls us? What about fear of man? What will people think, good or bad? I was always one. I could fit in with any crowd. I could fit in with the crowd that we were over here. We were a small group, and we could live in immorality. And then over here, the choir director and I could teach. I could teach Bibles. It didn't matter. I was. I could fit in. Fear of man. Fear of failure. I've always messed up before, so I probably will again. And on our strength, on your strength, you will. So in First Samuel there, it says that when Goliath came out, it says that he was a champion, which meant that there was a track record. He had defeated many people. You don't become a champion by not winning a lot of battles. And see, what the enemy wants to do is he wants to try to make you feel that giant in your life, that, hey, I'm a champion. I won before, remember? You've never been able to stand up against me for a long period of time before, so it's not going to happen again. That's what he tells us. He says, I'm a champion. No, we, it's time we start reminding him of who the champion is. His name is Jesus. Fear of rejection. God will never leave us or forsake us. Fear of condemnation. We talked about that a little bit the other day. That if, when that's just heavy on your heart, whatever it is, if it's pointing towards peace and it's pointing towards Jesus and it's pointing towards the cross, it's just God's way of saying, hey, let's get this away. But if it's bringing shame and just making you feel worthless and all that, it's time for condemnation, false condemnation to go. Because Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Revelation says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. His voice must be silenced because whom the sun sets free is what? He is free indeed. Fear of inadequacy. This limits the power of God. Fear of transparency. God already sees. At the end of the day, 
I'm not going to judge you. And you're not going to judge each I mean, you can say things about it, but I mean, at the end of your life, you're not going to be judged by anybody in this room. It's God. And he already knows. So why, are, why am I so fearful a lot of time to be transparent? His power can only be on display when we say, God, I can't, so you must. You have to be David in this story. We fight with his power, his strength, his authority, and in his name. Also, the fear of pain. This is the last one that I'm actually going to talk about. Um, Fear of pain. I just want to tell you something that if there's someone you know, or if it's, and that person may be yourself, if you find it easy to hurt people, you find it easy, and if you find it easy to hurt people and relationships, you just, and you just can't figure out why you do it, it's probably because you're hurting. So I'm going to tell you, hurt people hurt people. If you are walking in freedom and you have the love of God in you, and God has healed all of those wounds of the past, and, and, and you're, just, you're just walking in freedom and in healing, there's nothing in you that makes you want to hurt anyone. You are, every situation, just every situation you come up against, you just want redemption in it. So if you find in yourself the desire to, well, why am I always hurting people? Why do I respond in that way? Just ask God, God, what is it? <clears throat> I just want to tell you that the way to battle our giants, and especially fear, is through worship. Why? Because just like David, he came into that valley, and there was, yes, there was this giant. Yes, there was this champion. There was this one that had a track record of winning every single battle. But his focus was not on on. Goliath's head up there at nine foot tall. His focus was on something so much bigger than his giant. It was on his God. It was on the giant slayer. And so as we turn our focus there and we say, God, I can't, you can. You're going to have to fight this battle. You're going to have to do it for me. And I come into agreement. I declare that the giant is already defeated. The head has already been cut off. He brought this sword to the fight. It has taken his head off. Jesus has won that battle. And I'm declaring today that my giant is defeated. I'm going to come in agreement with that. Why? Because of because the fact that we serve a God that has already slain our giants. So worship takes our focus off of our giant and puts it on the one who can deliver us. I mentioned how that a dead snake can still hurt. If we play with it, but it's lost its power, it's time for us to just quit playing with the snake's head. We, so with that, we do not ignore the presence of danger, but we declare the presence of God. <clears throat> so just as David saw something that was lifting itself up against his God, he was not okay with that. He declared that he would not be coming in his strength, but in the power of the one that he knew and worshipped. 
Are we going to allow things to paralyze us with fear and keep us as well as those around us in bondage? What are we going to do with our giants this week? Are we going to continue to allow them to exist and day after day paralyze us? Are we going to continue to allow our giant to exalt exalt itself against Jehovah? Will we continue to cater to fear and worry about the champion's track record? It's never worked before. I've never been able to defeat him before. Will you lay all this at the altar, declaring that Jesus is your David and that that champion has been defeated, will you declare victory today? Father, I can't see into the hearts of these young people, but you can. You know every single detail. God, you know every, you know every giant that we ever have faced. You know every giant that has exalted itself against you, and has tried to derail the plan for our lives. And God, right now I stand with the authority of Jesus Christ, and I just say enough is enough. And we declare that every giant that has been rising up against us and trying to uh, in, in, in trying to just just speaking lies into us and tormenting us. Just declaring that they are defeated through the power of Christ. God, and if we don't believe that, if there's anyone here that's just not, still just can't believe it, God, I pray that faith would arise in that heart. And they would realize that through Christ we are more than conquerors. God, and so for those areas that maybe we have, maybe we have walked in victory or maybe we have, we feel like the giant is pretty much defeated. God, I pray that today would just simply be a day that we would that we would just simply build an, a new altar and say, today I declare that my giant has been defeated through Jesus Christ, and today I choose to believe that and to break that agreement with Satan and to walk in freedom. So God, as you're looking into our hearts right now, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would just do what only you can do. And that you would just reveal things in our hearts. That you would reveal giants in our lives that have, uh, have been hindering us, have been shouting insults. God, I pray that every heart would be obedient here today. God, we just want to honor you with our lives. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to just shine your spotlight into every heart, into every room of our heart, to expose the filth, just to expose those areas of our life that are not surrendered yet, those things we've been holding on to. God, we thank you that victory is ours through Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't know what God has spoken to you whether it's now, later, today, this evening, tomorrow, whatever, that box is there.
when I say fill it with papers, I'm not saying let's see if we can get a box full. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying if there's something there, you're just simply wanting to acknowledge this week. This has been a giant in my life. This is, a, this is an agreement I've made with the enemy. A lie. Actions, decisions, choices, whatever. And today I choose to cut, the, cut that power off. I choose to cut that voice off that has been coming across the valley of you're just a dog, like Goliath, like Goliath told David. And just simply to say enough is enough. So put it in there and tomorrow we'll find some matches in it. I don't know at some point what I wish we could do is, I know it's impossible, but get all of our, get all the sound equipment outside and have a big worship service out there around a burning box. That'd be pretty awesome, but we can do it maybe acoustically or something. I don't know. But anyway, God bless you all. And by the way, like I said, pray for them because... I have no idea tomorrow what we're going to talk about or